are now preparing for a further easing of the lockdown and the gradual opening of our economy. If we lift the lockdown too abruptly and too quickly, we risk a rapid and unmanageable surge in infections. We will therefore continue to proceed cautiously, informed by the best available evidence and guided by the advice of local and international experts, but also in observing the experiences of other nations. Hey guys, so you finally got your family meeting. On Wednesday evening, President Soda Maposa are taking to the nation, speaking to us saying, at the end of May, end of the month, we are ready to ease the restrictions. So we'll be moving into lockdown level three. However, this is not a blanket approach. So this doesn't apply to everybody. This will apply to everyone but concerning districts, metros, and I assume provinces, you know? Because one thing's about the Western Cape and the numbers in the Western Cape. I mean, all of you are excited about being finally able to buy a little bit of booze to throw out the pineapple. But a lot of people saying, yeah, but what about Western Cape? Hmm? You're calling it Wuhan Cape, Cape of Wuhan, after Wuhan City in China, where the uh, virus was first detected. And you're saying that, you know, places like Western Cape, Cape Town, should remain under lockdown level four and even be considered to be taken up to five. I must tell you, while you make those claims, the Premier of the Western Cape, Alan Rindy, is already trying to get it to three. Doesn't want to wait until the end of the month. This very same person, by the way, is in self isolation. The premier uh, came into contact with an ENCA cameraman who has since lost his life to the pandemic. This pandemic is serious. You know, I keep thinking it was discovered somewhere between December and January. And in the space of January, where it hits more countries outside of China, and now, which is May, it's affected millions, killed hundreds of thousands. And for us as the media fraternity in South Africa, as small as we are, we are already impacted. So ENC has lost a colleague due to this. And I know at 702, a prime media, two producers uh, have contracted the virus. So it is really serious. It is really scary. And, you know, journalists, people don't take what we do into consideration but we are also exposed we're also seen as essential service workers so it's a really it's heartbreaking my heart beats for the colleagues at enca and i go out to the colleagues at 702 it's a very difficult period it's a very difficult virus to manage our goal is to steadily increase economic activity while putting measures in place to reduce the transmission of the virus and provide adequate care for those who become infected and need treatment. When I last addressed you, I outlined the five-level alert system that we have introduced to guide this process. At the time, the country was at level five, as I said, which has the most stringent restrictions on movement of people and economic activity. Alert level four, which is the current level across the country, retains most of the lockdown regulations but permits the gradual opening up of certain parts of the economy. Alert level three to one allow progressively greater relaxation of restrictions. As I indicated then, some areas of the country may be designated 
at a particular alert level, while others may be designated at another level. So on Wednesday evening when he made the address, the one thing that kept playing in my head is, yo, this man looks tired, you know, he's 10 past tired. The fatigue we keep saying we're feeling on the ground seems to also find expression on the president's face, you know. Then I think about what he's dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So he's got the National Command Council meetings. He's got cabinet meetings. Then he has to deal with premiers. And he has to deal with ministerial plans around combating COVID. And I heard from insiders that there's a lot of back and forth of reports. When he's not satisfied, he sends things back. So he's going through things, I think, with a fine-tooth comb and trying to make sense of where we are as a country and what we need to do. But the other interesting thing about his briefing is a lot of people are saying, no, he said a lot about nothing. For me, it was a concession, you know, that entire dress was a whole lot of sorry because government has gotten certain things wrong, because government has been heavy handed. Some regulations have not made any sense. The lockdown that we've imposed was absolutely necessary. Without the lockdown, the number of coronavirus infections would have soared uncontrollably. Our health facilities would have been overwhelmed and many thousands South Africans would have died. From the very beginning, our response has been guided by advice from world-leading experts from our own country and from across the globe. Another interesting thing for me this week has been this thing around the Kurini speechwriter, Malaika Mashati. She is a really like a like an incredible young woman, you know. Malaika is I met her a few years ago. Malaika is an amazing mind. She is a player in the political space, an activist. She's a great writer, she's an author. She's Mzondi Lemasina, the Kurini mayor's speechwriter. My boss went <laughs> He went and publicly, without speaking to any board, decided that he's decreasing our salary. So basically, the way I understand the story around Malaika is that she got into a relationship with some guy for around two weeks and then broke up with him and he wasn't happy. So he then took to social media. So in all of this, he started making very serious allegations. Uh, one, that she was ghostwriting the mayor's PhD. Uh, and then also information around the municipality and pay deductions. So a lot of information that I think she wouldn't have wanted to get out there. I think it's really unfair. But to make matters worse, then the municipality gets involved. Not only does the mayor dispute the claims, which I think he's got the right to, but they also suspend her. And the reasons alleged to her embarrassing the city. And I don't think Malaika embarrassed the Kuruline. I think a man who couldn't deal with whatever happened between the two of them took issue with her and tried to paint her in bad light, thus embarrassing the city. I don't think it's something she did. So it's not like she went out and posted information about Akuruling. These were private conversations, um, whether true or not, but these were supposedly private conversations. What I do worry about is that Malaika, like Minister Stalandabeni Abrams, broke lockdown regulations, you know. When we are all told, stay at home, you're not allowed to engage with anybody. It's a criminal offense if you do so. She was having somebody visiting her in that period, you know. 
that's a violation you're a government employee you know you're a public servant and you're doing exactly what the minister did and there was great outrage there and i think that um if we are to be outraged really in this issue is merely that over and above everything else i really think it's much ado about nothing uh this guy and his ego must go heal far far away the woman is once again being punished for something she didn't do she didn't do anything ellen windy joins me for the ninth episode of one more thing a podcast with myself td madia All right, so as I was saying earlier, we will be speaking to the Western, we are speaking rather, to the Western Cape Premier, Alan Windy, who is in self-isolation, who's quarantining. He was exposed to ENCA cameraman Lungilo Tom. I did say we also have a fallen hero in the media fraternity as well. Uh, Premier, thank you so much for joining us in between what I assume are a lot of virtual meetings today. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it's nothing new to, uh, I think we've been running it like this for a while now. Um, it just means that I can't go to any kind of site visits or go and see what's happening if there's any uh, area that I need to go and check on. But uh, So it feels sort of like normal. How are you feeling? Have you been screened? Are you going to test? How are you feeling physically as well, health-wise? I, I mean, I'm fine. I, I haven't gone to test. I've been screened. Uh, in actual fact, the screening even said to me at the end of the screening, they said to me that I was probably what they call a casual contact which uh, doesn't even need to quarantine or test, but uh, I've got to practice what I preach. So the right thing yeah. to do is to quarantine. Um, you know, it's not so difficult. We're used to it now. I think in the beginning it was maybe difficult. This is the second time I'm actually doing it. Um, I'd, I had also come into contact with someone else before early on. But yes. uh, yeah, all fine, all healthy, all strong. All right, that's good to hear. Premier, let's speak about the Western Cape. You know, um, what is actually happening in the province as far as the COVID-19 pandemic is concerned? So maybe I'll start right at the very beginning when we were watching what was happening in other countries around the world. Um, we then said we better start preparing. I still remember we already set up, I mean, internationally we call it the Command Council. We hadn't even had those words yet. Uh, we just set up our Joint Operations Command uh, where uh, we've already got our, our procedures on what we do. And I still remember we were, it was a Sunday afternoon and we were actually in our operations command when the president called me to say that later on that evening he was going to announce that we were going to go uh, or declare uh, this a disaster. So we'd already put that in place. We already started to prepare. And I think that's what we've been doing and specifically using the lockdown uh, for this preparation. Everybody was telling us early on, testing, testing, testing. That's what you've got to be doing. And that's exactly what we did do. And now we've hit a bit of a brick wall because we actually have hit a bottleneck with testing in South Africa. So whether it's government or private sector and whichever province, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, we're now not getting the throughput on our volumes of testing and it's taking too long to get a result. So that's making it a bit more difficult to manage. But uh, we've put our health response in place. Uh, it's not all in place as in every bed yet. But the contracts are signed, the construction is happening. We've got 1,466 beds in our hospital. We've got 3,306 beds in our quarantine and isolation. And we decided yesterday to up that to 6,600. Um, we've got 100, 102 million rands of the PPE in stock and another 250 million on the way. Um, yeah, so, we, so, so that's what we've spent the last few weeks doing. Um, and now, of course, our attention seems to be shifting to 
um, other things like uh, like the humanitarian response. Mm. Um, and of course, that's the that's probably the humanitarian and economic response is the next real focus is how we get the balance. A lot of South Africans are intent on saying they believe or think the Western Cape is not focused on what it's actually dealing with or doesn't understand and it's too critical on national government and too preoccupied with opening up the economy. I just wanted to speak to you just about the perceptions, even the idea of being ready, Premier. Some okay, are saying so I might... want to maybe start with that. Uh, okay, what so... criticism have I made of national government so far? No, they're saying the DA government, not you specifically, Premier. They're ah. saying the Western Cape. Obviously, the DA is in charge of the... I like how you laugh. Obviously, the DA is in charge of the Western Cape. So the, the sentiments that people are, are having, uh, when you look at social media, just general commentary, is that the DA is not focused on the Western Cape, where it's governing. It's too focused on national and being critical of every decision national is making. Saying, but if you look at pictures coming out of Western Cape, uh, obviously, everyone will go back to the promenade, and when everyone is allowed to be out and about, everyone thinks about how you already want to open up uh, the economy and move to level three. So, based on those things, people are saying Western Cape is not looking at what it's facing. Even though in conversation you and I here, yeah, you say to me, "Yeah, but you're right on track as far as the numbers are concerned and tracking the pandemic." Okay, so I think obviously there are a lot of people trying to play politics and drive a political narrative. And uh, of course, there's an ANC and a DA, and then there's the provincial government and the mm. national government. And uh, obviously, we operate according to DA policies, um, but we are still a government and we still operate as a government. Um, so, I mean, obviously, my political principle, and you obviously spoken to him to John Steenhuisen, but I also have to operate as a government. And uh, as a government, I meet with the president, I talk to the president, I do what I think, and my cabinet, we do it, and our top management do what we think is best in this process. Um, and uh, we, whenever I hear people saying things like, oh, but you the Wuhan, and you the epicenter, and you all of these things, you know, I quietly say to myself, you know, one of these days it's going to swing around because that's the nature of this beast. Mm. Um, I do know that my numbers are higher than everywhere else. I've got uh, two explanations. One is that we're a bit ahead of the curve, and the other one is we test a hang of a lot more. And then people start, you know, you can always play with numbers. I saw the latest numbers is Western Cape's testing is 56,000 and counting is 92,000. And, uh, yeah, that's right. Things numbers are more than ours. But uh, at the moment, we are testing... 541 people per 100,000 and Gauteng's testing 439 per 100,000. We test people uh, in our mortuaries. We don't just test people in our hospitals. Um, 11%, it was 15%. Now 11% of our post-mortems are coming back as positive. They would have just been classed as a heart failure or a diabetic uh, who died. Uh, we really are hunting the positive cases so that we get as accurate a positive as possible so that we can deal with it and manage it and again it's not a competition so uh, and people must be careful what they say because i promise you uh, wherever we've got in south africa high density populations that's where we've got to be zooming in in our hotspots and making sure we actually deal with this as best as we can you've raised a lot of points i want to pick at the first one i want to speak sure. about are the numbers very quickly are you happy do you feel the numbers that have been produced at a national level are consistent with what you're finding in the province? You know, you're saying it's not a competition. You speak no, about numbers are different. Mm. They definitely are different. I'm getting eight point. Uh, the last numbers that I was getting, I'm getting eight point five seven percent positives to test. Uh, nationally, we're getting two point eight positives to test. That's way lower than what we're getting. Now, why is it? 
Uh, and of course, I don't know that answer. Um, I Have you not tried to reach out uh, to the minister about this? Oh yes, we, we spent three hours presenting to the minister on Saturday. Um, our epidemiologists and specialists meet with uh, Professor uh, Karim on a regular basis. Uh, we are actually doing a study this week where we're bringing in the UCT um, modeling. We're bringing South Africa's Association of, uh, of uh, what are they called, ASA. We're bringing them in um, and the national department and our department to re-question these. Are we getting the high positive rate because we, we've got an anomaly? Now, all the specialists say that they, it cannot be that the Western Cape uh, environment is a different environment. Um, it just must be that we're either slightly ahead of the curve or perhaps that we are hunting where the positives are. Because remember, we do two things here. We screen and test like everyone else does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think when we did our screening and testing on 300,000, we did about 9,000 tests to 300 screenings. But we also do track and tracing inside uh, the hotspot. So, for example, when we had a positive case detected in a factory here in Cape Town, we moved in. We actually found on the three shift, we eventually found 90 cases in that one business. But we just tracked and traced every single person. We've got uh, examples of retail outlets where we trace them down to positive. So in a workforce of 800, we would find 60 cases in that specific business. And then uh, when only one tested positive, we didn't just leave it there. We went and worked on every single person that that person had worked with, who they'd been coming in contact with. And so we were really getting every person that we were trying, because we were focusing, we were getting extra positive. You're hunting down uh, the virus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait. What? Yeah, I mean, all I'm doing is I'm following what uh, the World Health Organization uh, is advising, and then I'm I'm following. I'm in contact with uh, one of the epidemiologists in Italy. Uh, we're following uh, the World Health Organization, our own our own doctors and epidemiologists here who who build our models are globally recognized. I mean, I, I think we've got some very very serious people. That's why when the minister comes and he spends three and a half hours in the Western Cape. Uh, and he leaves and all he can say is, I mean, the health response is amazing because it is. But internally, um, though, please take me inside where you then say to them, but we don't agree with the numbers you're producing at national level. You say you spoke to uh, Dr. Karim, Professor Karim about this. When you say that, what do no, they then say? Okay, don't, I definitely don't do that. I'm not going to go there and start arguing about the Gauteng numbers. Sure. That's not my job. That is definitely not my so job. So you're that not arguing about Gauteng numbers. No, Premier, Premier? I yeah. think you need to hear me a little bit. I'm saying when you say to national, to ministers, that actually there's a difference in the numbers you are seeing at national level in our province versus what we are seeing. When you point that out to Professor Karim, what is the response? So he, then, then they look at us and that's why they've said to us we're on track. In actual mm. fact, what we said we were going to have in cases, we are having in cases. So it means that our best guesstimates are fairly close. Um, I mean, and that's what I've got to work with. Uh, when it comes to, you know, whether I think that they're testing sufficiently, or I've got questions about a death rate or whatever, um, I, I really don't think that's my job. I've got to make sure that I am doing what I need to do and it's on track. So, I mean, even though I've just told you we've just had, we've got Masha and Asa are busy reassessing our model with our team this week. Next week, I've uh, also established an internal red team who are going to do it again. Um, so, so I keep So you're on, constantly looking at your modeling? 
Absolutely, you have to. And I always say to people when they say this is the epicenter, I say this is not a competition. It's definitely not a competition. This is South Africa having to beat this virus. And uh, I will teach, learn, uh, play a part, be involved, do whatever is necessary to make sure that we get through this thing uh, successfully. Um, I mean, I've had meetings with the Eastern Cape Premier, he and I, and our uh, uh, police commissioners to deal with cross-border funerals, um, migrant uh, uh, workforces, uh, trying to find protocols. Um, I'm actually at the moment busy looking at how uh, some of the provinces as premiers, we actually have a look at how we can actually share some of uh, the learnings because you know the, what the world is facing and what we are facing there's no template for this i want to speak about areas like kailicha you know uh yes. many will say that your government is one that speaks to the affluent a little bit more does a really great job in affluent communities there is areas like kailicha and zamayetu as problematic areas how ready are you for areas that are so densely populated for cases in those particular areas i think that most of our focus at the moment is in Kailicha, in Danoon, mm. in the Tigerberg uh, substructure, and in uh, well, in nine of the nine of the hotspot areas, mm. um, and none of them actually at the moment are affluent. I mean, some of them are maybe middle class, but uh, none of them are affluent, um, and that is where we're zooming in because uh, that's where we're finding that. And obviously, that's what happens in densely populated areas. That's where your your risk is, and that's where our spread is. Um, and that's why we've developed this hotspot model where uh, it started in Wittenberg when we saw very fast growth there. And now that's being re replicated um, in Kailicha, in the Tigerberg region, as well as in Danun. And the Danun model, which is we were going to show the president on Friday, um, obviously, hopefully by next Friday, we can even show him with the M&E. So we can say this is the plan. This is how we implemented the plan. And this is the results of that plan. You say when you don't agree with the president, you pick up the phone and you call him. How often do you, how do these conversations go, you know? What does he then say to you? Well, I suppose, uh, I mean, can I put it this way that uh, I think we have uh, very good amenable discussions. Um, obviously, the, the, sometimes it's issues that I'm not happy with. Mm. Um, and then we agree on how we're going to try to solve them or to disagree. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say they're confrontational, or they they. We really are together trying to find solutions. You are, and then the issue of level three. That's the big conversation that's happening this week. You are. All, you are pretty much ready to go. Uh, President announcing on Wednesday that the country, some parts of the country, will go to level three uh, at the end of the month. Western Cape seems ready, and across the board, many people again. It's perceptions saying actually Western Cape should consider going to back to level five. Why do you feel so strongly that you're ready for level three premier? Because I'm trying to balance the, I'm trying to balance the humanitarian and economic crisis with our health readiness. Um, and of course the, I say level three across the, across the province because I've got parts of my province who have got naught cases. I've got mm, lots, mm. Of, lots of towns in the province who have actually gone down in the number of cases. And so they definitely, they should actually be going down to level two or have no restriction. But of course, we have restriction levels in our country. So then, of course, the hotspot is one area called Wittenberg. And uh, as we spoke about the Kailiches, the Tigerbergs, the, the Danoons, those areas in the city. All right. I'm going to leave it at that. Just before I go, though, Premier, 
message to your residents, you know, citizens in the Western Cape. Just your parting shots on, again, what they need to be mindful of as you navigate this process and as you push towards level three. So there's only one way we are going to get through this and that all of us work together. We have to make sure that uh, we do it by following the golden rules. There's got to be new normals. No business is going to open where you just carry on with business as usual. And no resident must carry on as if it is just business as usual. So if you get to that public transport interchange and you're getting into a bus or a taxi and it is overcrowded, you log off to the number, report that vehicle and uh, please step out. Make sure you've followed your processes of hygiene, masks, social distancing, because we've all got to play this role together. I also want to say that to every person that has helped us, whether it be uh, following the rules or whether it be out there making sure that citizens are fed, making sure that citizens are safe, making sure that together we are getting through this. All of those volunteers, uh, those NGOs, those soup kitchens, I just want to say to them, thank you very, very much. This is a long road to go still. We've got many months of this ahead um, and we can only do it if we all work together. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Premier. A pleasure. So that's Western Cape Premier Ellen Wendy joining us via virtual platforms, speaking about dealing with the COVID virus and trying to move towards level three and the level of preparedness uh, that the province has for the worst case scenario. Thank you again. Thank you very much. And that's it from us for News 24. My name is T.D. Madia and this podcast was produced by Noctula Magnati.